the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the marinade with Jason Earl, episode 19, and Micah Schnabel returns, y'all. It was such an honor to get to talk to Micah the first time. It was just kind of a dream come true when he actually said yes uh, the first time, back when it was just episode three, and uh, and now, uh, over a year later, we get a chance to sit down with Micah again. He is just a dear, sweet soul. He's a songwriter with very few peers, a gentleman in every respect, an intellectual, and now a friend. He was one of the first people to say yes to the marinade, and uh, episode three was amazing. It was an incredible honor to get to talk to Micah, and during that talk, we talked about his then forthcoming novel, Hello, My Name is Henry. And that book, if you listen to this show, you know that I absolutely love it. I got a chance to read it a while back and uh, and totally fell in love with the characters, which is just exactly what you get from Micah. You know, the book is about life in middle America, specifically Ohio, and in true Micah Schnabel fashion, his book, just like his songs, is full of gorgeous language and painful, complex characters. And so this conversation focused on his creative process for the novel. Um, but of course, also music and life and mental health would naturally make their way into the conversation, this being the marinade and all. Mike and I recorded outside of Little Indies in Orlando just after we recorded episode 17 with Vanessa Jean Speckman. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend that as soon as you finish this one, you go back and listen to that one. Micah uh, went on to play the best set that, uh, that I've ever seen from him in front of a really fervent weeknight crowd at, uh, at Will's Pub in Orlando. Seeing him play is always a pleasure, and speaking with him is always insightful. I always learn quite a bit about myself and about the world when I, when I have the, the honor of getting to talk with Micah and, and seeing him share his art. Knowing him is an ongoing feeling of enlightenment. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, Micah Schnabel. Well, I've been using isolation as a form of medication. I'm starting to worry about the psychological effects. Every morning a new tragedy will on the screen in front of me. I'm growing more and more afraid of what comes next. Violence, dead kids, and guilty silence. A Russian elected president, this is an act of non-compliance. I'm looking for guidance everywhere. Let's bow our heads and say a prayer to the Palmentero Card Readers International Alliance. More information in my pocket than any humans in history. I haven't done a great job handling the responsibility. I'm just trying to describe what it's like to be alive through the teenagers of the 21st century. Yeah, I'm just trying to describe what it's like to be alive Let the information age get the best of me. Cool. Hey, she was 17. She was just a little kid. She shaved off her hair. Check one, two. Hello, hello. That volume right there is just right. Cool. Hey, man. 
Hey, what's up, man? Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for having so me. So much has happened since the uh, last time you were on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So exciting. I have my copy of Hello, My Name is Henry. <laughs> I want to tell you a couple quick stories. <laughs> so um, people love you. This keeps coming up where I'm talking to a songwriter or a fan of the show in general, and a lot of them have become have ended up being songwriters that I love, which has been like the coolest, very cool, coolest yeah. development. Um, but a, a lot, a lot of people say either the BJ Barham episode, which was episode one or your episode <laughs> is what got them into the marinade. So cool. thank you. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation last time. It was great. And you know, it's, I get more feedback. I feel like on that one than anybody, any other one. Like you just opened up in such a way and there was so much insight. People take a lot away from that conversation. Oh, that makes me really happy. I, it, uh, yeah, as you can tell from my songs and my writing, I try to not hide behind any uh, false idea or wall. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, and, and that comes through, you know, for you uh, uh, and clearly like the, the impact that you have on people um, is really cool to see. Like Matt, uh, Matt Burke was episode 14 from How Gone Will Travel. He's so great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he writes great songs and mm -hmm. he was so open about his process, but he was just, just gushing about you and how much he loves you. And he's reading, hello, my name is Henry. And I then was messaging on it with, on, with him last night. Oh, that's actually. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then BJ Barham, who I just recorded with, and we haven't released that episode yet, but we recorded on Monday and I'm, I'm sitting down with BJ and we were in his, his tour van or his tour bus now. He's yeah. like a bus yeah. now. <laughs> and we're in the back, like in his little bedroom area. And I look over and I'm like, that looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. And he's got his copy of yeah. Hello, My Name is Henry. Yeah. And it's wonderful, man. I oh, love the book. I really you. want to talk about the book. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. 116 pages in. So I just got past uh, the accident. Oh, okay. And I was talking to Vanessa earlier about how I love how the artwork on the cover kind of gives away just enough to get you going. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But not so much as to you know spoil something's things. gonna happen. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I kept in. waiting. Like, when is the accident? When is the day of accident gonna happen? Oh, oh shit! That <laughs> yeah. just happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a great book. Uh, I Thank love you. it. Uh, can you? Let's kind of get into that process, if you will, because that seems like it would be a lot different discipline from songwriting. Uh, it, it is, and it, de it has definitely made me more disciplined as a songwriter um, because I, I was just so excited about it that I had the opportunity. And um, I you know, worked with uh, some short stories with the publisher for a, a year or so. And then uh, when this idea hit, it was like, okay, that has the legs to grow into something mm -hmm. bigger. Um, and so... Uh, January of 2016, he sent me some money, and uh, <laughs> I've always I've never had much money. So when yeah. somebody gives me pays me to do something, that, that just <laughs> flips my mindset. So I was like, I'm writing a book now, and so from January to May, um, I sat down, I woke up, had my coffee, and went to work. And yeah. from you know about noon to 11, 12 at night, like. I just sit down and I work, you know, and pace the kitchen with my guitar a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just worked. Uh, so, yeah, May 2016, I uh, sent off the original manuscript, which was around 80,000 words. I wrote on a typewriter, <laughs> which I wouldn't recommend to anybody. Oh, really? You, you wouldn't do it that way next time? No, but I couldn't afford a computer at the time, so there wasn't really an option. So, um, 
but I had I started on just an old old typewriter and then about three quarters of the way through I switched over to an electric which just that little bit helped out a whole lot yeah but uh, so I mailed off this manuscript that was just a mess of typewriter stuff and uh, thankfully Mike over at White Gorilla sat down and typed it all up and got it into the computer in the program for me and uh, that took a while and because that's a terrible thing to have to do yeah um, but he did it and so that was about eight months or so and then I sat back down with it and I chopped it down to about 25 30,000 words and uh, so yeah it went from 80,000 which I felt great about but then we chopped it down to about 25 uh, and realized what garbage it was and then just started that changed the mindset and then I had that focus of I could kind of see the story coming together and everything and really start hitting plot points and developing the characters and everything and uh yeah, that just really made uh, that exercise, that daily exercise of sitting down and working. You know, it's changed my songwriting process. It's, you know, it changed me, how I view writing. And um, it's been really exciting to go through, you know. That's great, man. Yeah. What, so much I want to ask you, especially as someone who wants to write a book. Like, I, I have ideas. None of them are far enough along that I need <laughs> to, like, really take that next step. But right. But how did like you you mentioned Mike at White Gorilla like did you know have a relationship before or um, did you reach out what did that look like he uh, had been a fan of the band for mm. a, a long time since almost the beginning um, and he had started his White Gorilla and um, had put out some books and he actually approached me down here in Florida about mm. five years ago now and asked me if I'd ever thought of writing a book and I was like you know that's something I could dream of but not something that ever felt like it could be a reality yeah um but we kept talking and i started writing some short stories and stuff and sending them to him and you know he just kept encouraging me and encouraging me and that that was probably two years until i hit upon the idea of henry and we were both like this has all right this could be something at least yeah you know yeah and Henry, can you talk about Henry a little bit? Such an interesting character. So much there. Because yeah. um, like, thank so, you. I appreciate yeah, that. it's really I love him. And so like you know, folks who haven't read the book, first of all, read the book. Um, but he's this complex character because he's like, you know, he's not particularly educated in the traditional right. sense. Right, right. But he reads a little bit here and there, <laughs> right, and right. he finds solace in books. Uh -huh. um, and he's really sharp. You know, he's a really sharp dude. But his circumstances suck yeah and I that's me like obviously I don't know what else a writer does it but just projecting into it you know mm -hmm. the character but I guess how I kind of saw myself as I grew up feeling dumb and always one of my biggest fears to this day is sounding dumb you know mm. but um, I was terrible at school <laughs> you know? yeah and so I guess that yeah I projected that all upon him and I feel like he is everybody kind of feels I know a lot of people that feel that way you right. know and I grew up with a lot of people that just had these circumstances and that they never really had a chance yeah. you know when when you play those stories out uh, over 20 years 30 years we you know how those happen and when you grow up in an education system that has zero money and you're not you're not getting the best teachers and if you don't aren't a great student you're immediately left behind from the time mm -hmm. you're in kindergarten you're yeah. put into reading groups and you're pretty much given up on you know because of your last name or because you you know aren't reading well and when you're you know in first grade or something and you just get left behind in these schools you know and i was trying to shine a light on that especially in these times that we're working 
that we're living in right now, um, people don't really understand poverty, you know, and it, the big problem with uh, Americans in general is we look at poor people and we think, well, they're lazy or they don't not, you know, they're not working hard enough. And the truth is like when you come up in these circumstances, it's nearly impossible to get out. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the one story of, well, they worked their way up, you know, and earned money, you know, finally ended up making a bunch of money and whatever. It's like, that is one person yeah. who probably have had, was fortunate enough to find somebody that believed in them, you know? Um, and most people don't get that. Most people just get left behind, you mm -hmm. know? And Henry can see that, that people are, he's getting left behind, but he doesn't have the tools, you know, to figure out how to get out, right. to get beyond his circumstance, you know? And that's a reality that I think most people exist within, you know? Um, the, the glory story doesn't happen very often. That's why it's, you know, the big story. What's interesting also about Henry is that he, people really like him, you know? <laughs> like, there's a lot of, it's really interesting. Like, he, he has a magnetism to him. Yeah. And, I guess that's something you were aware of as you were writing it. Is that something you set out to? Um, I definitely wanted him to be likable. You know, um, yeah. one of my the the biggest writing influence on me is Willie Vlaton, mm -hmm. um, and that's what always made him so readable to me. Is you care about this character, and you can watch them make mistakes, and they can they can do terrible things even, and you still cheer for them and care for them because you are living on the inside, mm -hmm. you know, and not judging them from an outside perspective. And, um, yeah, I wanted him to be lovable and, um, or at least you could, maybe not lovable, but you care about him and you wanted, right. wanted people to be cheering for him because yep. like I have never, had never written a book before, but I could tell when I was writing well was when I didn't, there was no, I wasn't thinking about anything. Yeah. The conversation was happening in my head and it was coming out of my fingertips. Mm. And that's when I felt like that's the stuff that was coming out when I felt like I was really writing well, was not being judgmental of people, um, not being judgmental of Henry, like anything can happen as long as it's done in genuine, honest way. Um, that feels natural and right to me in my voice, you know? Yeah. yeah I, my, uh, big thing when I was younger is I was always get angry and write out of this angry against somebody and you can write angrily, but it always felt very unnatural and forced to me and I did it anyway. And it was, not great. And I, this really helped me find that voice and find where I'm comfortable and it, where I'm most comfortable is cheering for people, I think, more, you know. Henry has this anger, too, that, yeah. like, from his grand, he mentions his grandfather. Yeah, yeah. He talks about the fact that he says, forget exactly how you said it, you say, but there's a part in the book where grandpa, I don't want to give anything away, but so grandpa comes to a very pivotal decision in his, in his right. life, right? <laughs> right, right. So, um, <laughs> And, uh, and then Henry is kind of really processing what has happened mm -hmm. in his relationship with his grandfather. And he, and he, he basically says like, I've got this anger that I know is coming from you, right. you know, but right. he doesn't want to let it come out and be right, right. a part of him. You know, I mean, I guess, and again, just writing is just projection as far as I know, but, uh, <laughs> that's again, one of my biggest fears. I come, you know, uh, fortunately not my parents, but pretty much all through my bloodline is a lot of bad bad stuff that is in the book and in my songs yeah and that's one of my biggest fears is becoming that you know mm. becoming that angry at the world um you know every 
it's happening here in America right now. It's interesting. It's, yeah, yeah. You don't get an opportunity or something, and you get angry at the world. And if you don't express that in some positive way, it can turn inside you, you know. And the mental illness that runs, you know, rampant in my family has always been a thing of, well, what if one day that shows up at the, my door, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to stare that in the face. And, and I, you know, to a certain point I have, like I spent, you know, months in a psychiatric ward when I was growing up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, throughout my teenage years. So that's always been a really big fear of mine, you know, um, and I projected it on a poor little. Well, and you told me last time, I, I forget exactly how you ordered it. So, uh, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm saying it wrong, but you said basically you went through a period of your life where you essentially try to drink yourself to death. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so you've been through it. What kind of work do you do on yourself making sure that that doesn't come up? It's it's a constant work every single day. Um, yeah. Like I quit. I don't drink at shows. Um, you know, I don't drink a whole bunch anymore. I'm, I feel I'm fortunate that I can just have, you know, a few beers once I deliver everybody back safe to where we're staying. And, you know, and. Uh, oh, interesting. But. Yeah, I, I kind of cut that out of, I separated that kind of um, activity from my work. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a part of getting older is learning that this is my career and, yeah. try, and taking <clears throat> care of it. And, um, you know, yeah, just really looking after that and caring, caring so much about it. Um, I was having a conversation a couple of days ago with somebody about it. And I, I care so much about playing songs and, mm. and the work that I do. And that's not to say it's any good or anything, but I care so much like i'm nervous now for the show tonight and Mm. i've probably played three thousand shows at this point you know um i but i've just realized like that's why part of the reason i can't drink because i drink out of anxiousness and nervousness you know and then i'm bad and then you fall into that shame cycle yeah like we talked about that last time yeah guilties exactly so um yeah just really paying attention to that and real recognizing how important this is to me and that's why i get nervous every single night because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if there's one person there or a thousand people there. I care so much about this. And all I can do is go and try to be my best. Yeah. Um, so that's my focus now. That's you're what prob- I care And about. you're probably not doing your best work if you're not a little bit anxious about it. You know, unless you're some kind of monk or something. Yeah. You know, unless you're real zen <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I've had like maybe a handful of shows where I've not been nervous. Yeah. And... Some of them have gone really well and others not so well, but it scares me yeah. if I'm not nervous. I wonder why, you know, and, uh, yeah, I always, uh, before these, I always get a little bit nervous. My big nerve is the, the recording. Oh yeah. Like I even have anxiety right now about, I'm not recording over Vanessa's episode. Am I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is what we do. And this is we it's all part so of I'm the I'm going to be really fucking pissed at myself <laughs> yeah. if I did that. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, you know, and this is probably the least, I always get a little bit. I'm never like nervous, nervous before mm-hmm. I head into it because I've done it a lot. Not 3,000, right. but I've done it a lot, you right. know, where I've talked to people whose art I really respect. And I've had people, a lot of people on the show now. We're on episode, just released episode 14, you know, and we got four more in the hopper. Yeah. So like yeah. we're, we're doing it, uh-huh. you know, and it's it's happening. But but there's still a little bit of anxiety right before because I want to mm-hmm. get it right. Right. You know, because right. it does matter to me that I do it right. You're creating it. Like exactly. It, it's part of your craft. Yeah. Um, I just, I, this is kind of more topical. I saw the post, uh, that you, this is a quote from you. I th- I'm pretty sure, uh, sitting in a 24 hour laundromat in Jacksonville, Florida, yeah. <laughs> watching humans of every color, nationality and religion hustling to make Tuesday mornings happen. 
Tuesday morning happened. Little kids hustling laundry from the washer to the dryer for tired moms and dads. This is the world moneyed folks don't see or talk about. My heart breaks for so many. This is a welcome shot of humanity. First of all, that's beautiful. Thank you. It's just beautifully written. Um, but can you kind of take us through that moment? Because like, that seems like a pretty powerful <laughs> feeling you just had. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we were at the hotel two nights ago. Yeah. And uh, we had the night off. And so we went to go do laundry. And it was 10 o'clock at night. And it's exa- like exactly what I was saying. You know, see these parents with these kids running around and every every kind of human is there just doing everything that they can do to keep it together and make Tuesday morning happen. Like to have clean clothes for everybody, you know, but you don't have washer and dryer at your, you know, it's not down the hallway. Like you have to load everything up and hopefully you have a vehicle, but Mm. some don't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, so you're carrying these bags with you, you know, and your children and you're walking down and you know, Jacksonville, Florida, which is not very uh, walking friendly, you know, so you're walking down basically a side of a highway with these, bags of laundry and here are these kids up at 10 o'clock at night you know they're trying to get the thing they don't want to be there but they're trying to help mom and dad get this stuff done and mom and dad surely don't want to be there i'm sure there's a million different things um that they would rather be doing but there they are just trying to make a day happen and yeah. that's the thing that people with money and again it's part of the poverty in the book like yeah there's so many things that people don't have never had to think about so they just don't even know to think about them. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. I found things, you know, but, um, I grew up with a washer and dryer in the house. I did, yeah. but you know, but a lot of people don't. And it's yeah. such a small thing to take for granted that people that have always had it don't understand just how much getting clean clothes, the energy that goes into that, you know, um, if, when you have that taken away, like, and people, yeah, the, the wall of the bubble of money, the comfort bubble that money creates f- for people and they lose sight of others so quickly. Yeah. So quickly. Well, what, and what do you think we do? I've been thinking a lot about this, man. Cause I like, I think there are lots of things we can, there are tons of things that we can reasonably differ on, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of politically and socially, we can have a, dis- have a dialogue. We can, either agree or disagree. Maybe you'll sway me if we're having an intelligent dialogue. Maybe I'll sway you. But there are certain things that just, it's a human rights question, you know, or it's a, there's some really, there's some just like, there's gotta be a line there. What do we do to communicate to people who seem to be on the other side of that line? That's, and I'm swallowed by that right now. I have no idea. Like that used to be, I always thought that that was the baseline which we all worked started from and then worked off of, you know, we could all agree that little kids shouldn't die. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You know, like little kids running around, you know, uh, and that's not the truth anymore. Like human life has been devalued. Right. And, and that's a, that's the point we are in history right now again. Yeah. And it's the classic us versus them. Once you start speaking of people as, you know, infesting a country, I mean, that is dangerous language and words matter. Yeah. Words do matter. And people just blow by these things and they start, you know, when the president of the United States says something like that and the people that his followers start using that language about how people are, you know, rapists and murders are coming up through the, they take that at value and they start 
using that within themselves and that language spreads and those ideas, those become ideas. Yeah. And they, it's poisonous, you know, and here we are, we've, we're devaluing human life. That is the breaking point of a society. We are no longer a functioning society if we have devalued human life. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's no longer a functioning society. We are broken as a people. If we are devaluing innocent human beings. Right. Damn. So you don't have an answer for me. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, what's the, I think it's a Frank Turner thing, but careful of people that have quick answers. Or, yeah. uh, or simple answers to it. So oh, that's complicated like that problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> um, the dialogue. There's a lot of dialogue in the book. Yeah. I find dialogue really difficult to write personally. Is, do you feel the same way? Or was it? Is that an easier way for you to write? I think that was an easier way for me to write because I had never done it before and I got really excited when I found it. Oh, um, cool. Uh, yeah, because again, when I felt like I was writing really well, the conversations were just happening, you yeah. know, and I didn't have to think about how somebody would respond or anything. I just knew how that character would respond because I grew up surrounded by people that spoke like that, you know, yeah. like people that worked at convenience stores and got punched in the mouth the night before and you, you don't call the cops or anything because there's nothing anybody can do. You just wake up and do it again tomorrow you right. know it's a funny story at the bar tomorrow night yeah or even when, once you get off of work you know uh that that's how real life happens for the most part you yeah know? Uh, so yeah dialogue was really exciting i mm. think you know when it's when it's going well when yeah. it's not going well then it's torture i get in my head about it when i try to write it i get in my head about it i i don't know like the the structure of it is tough for me when mm. i look at it on a page what it's supposed to look like is tough for me the way that you, there are a couple of other choices here that I really like too, as we look at it, but like, I love this book physically feels. Oh yeah. That good. Was, uh, that was the editor. He chose it. Yeah. 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 It, it's like a textured. Yeah. I wondered if that was something it. you had any insight on. Cause yeah. like, and then the type it, the, um, the, the actual font is really readable. That's good. So th- this is the, the original pressing. We accidentally did the font too big. And okay. it was like really, so the, some people have, and there are about 50 or hundred of them out there. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, a, it was too spread out. So this was the, we brought the font size down and yeah, I th- like the way it looks and the way it feels. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just, it's, and that makes such a difference. Like I just yeah. want to pick it up, mm-hmm. you know, and the more I want to pick it up, the it, more likely I am. Yeah. yeah. It's a definitely, it's approachable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. Know, it's not infinite jest where it's like this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Cause there's a lot in here, but it is readable. Yeah. It's, it's accessible. So. It's, it's, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it is heavy. It's it heavy, heavy, but you're right. I don't have to psych myself up for it. Right. I, I really enjoy picking it up. You yeah. know, and I usually read really slowly, but I just picked this up on Sunday. Saturday, yeah. Sunday. I, and that's what, it's super approachable. It's not, you know, it's probably not scholarly. It's just a human story. Yeah. You know, very yeah. human story. And I, I think that helps with the approachability of it is it could be anybody in any town, anywhere. There, there are pieces um, of people that we all know. Yeah. You know, and that's exactly. like all great song, all great characters and songs are that way where yeah. you feel like you can, everyone attaches to something. Yeah. You know, that was a big lesson that I learned of like a, <laughs> I was reading Infinite Jest and watching a lot of <laughs> David Foster Wallace, uh, you know, t- have him speaking interviews and stuff. And he was like, 
I see my kids come in. He was teaching at the time, and like they're trying to impress me, and it makes their work unreadable when you're uh. trying to impress someone. Because I think that would that was probably my initial uh, the f- initial draft that I did was me probably trying to impress myself and others of like look at me you know yeah and yeah and once i reread that i was like oh well, that's terrible and unreadable you know and that's when it helped me fall into the the human story of it yeah. all you know like stop trying to write and just say what you're trying to say right you know that's great yeah and that's where the groove was for this one <laughs> that's <laughs> wonderful yeah and did that was there a spot there where that happened or do you remember a moment or an I think it was during the re when I uh, once I got typed up into the computer and I started rereading it, and I was just I feel like I'm a pretty good uh, decent at editing myself. I have no problem throwing something that I love and care about in the trash can. Yeah, you said you fi- last time you we talked. You said you physically yeah took pieces of the book <laughs> yeah. and threw them in the trash yeah. can. Yeah, I have no problem with that because <laughs> if I know I can do better, I want to do better. I don't want to yeah. uh, let something that I know is not great stick around right or at least not great in in my eyes sure and that's really what matters right i mean it's got to be something that you're proud of and that matters to you because people are going to like it if it's something that that you like like it's it's going to come across as the authentic expression that you you value so much yeah yeah you know and that's what i think with the book uh is so easy i think it's a super easy read for people that know me and people have listened to me sing these songs forever because it's just an extension of that and it yeah. sounds like my voice you it know? does it does it's not me trying to be an author or something like right that. right like, you know it's i forget how long the book is but it's 180 pages of my voice yeah know? well i mean and that's where the good stuff is right i like, think so. I, that's yeah. when i feel i'm at my best you right know, when i'm being honest and yeah yeah that's great man what do you? I see your listener pin, and oh, you yeah. you tweeted about them or something, yes. and so I started listening. So thank you for that because oh. they're great. <laughs> <laughs> they are incredible. Yeah, uh, Dan's one of my favorite writers. So good. He's incredible. What else are you consuming musically right now? Um, oh geez, I knew you were gonna ask that, and it's been so much. Uh, the newest one that I've been in, on a kick that's been uh, waking Vanessa and I up at the hotels is uh, Caroline Rose. Okay. And there's a uh-huh. song called Money. That's just incredible. Awesome. And um, so that's the newest thing that I've found. Uh, my friend Aaron Lee Tastian has a new record coming out, and I've only heard the first single, but I'm sure He's everything so good. he does is incredible. Um, uh, there's a Counterfeit Madison from Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, she is just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know... I don't know how else to even explain, but okay. uh, I'll check her out. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. So there's just a few things that I feel like are definitely worth checking out. Yeah, awesome. What about what are you reading? Um, I am reading. <laughs> they can't kill us until they kill us, and I don't know the author's name right now, but he's okay. from Columbus, Ohio, and it is the most amazing. It's the most amazing writing I've found since Listener. Oh wow! And. Uh, Shoot, I have the book in my book bag, but I okay. can't think. I feel terrible. I don't know his name right now. Awesome. Oh, Hanif, and I don't know. How, I feel terrible. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Okay. But uh, Abdurab, yeah. Abdurak, Ab, maybe. Yes. All right. That seems, but well, uh, so sorry, my friend. If <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, yeah, Hanif, if you want to come on the show, by the way. Yeah, uh, they can't kill us until they kill us. And all right. It's absolutely incredible. I'll pick that up after I finish this. <laughs> awesome. Um, what a, tonight you're going to play a set. Uh, what is this? Did, what's the set list going to look like? What are you thinking? Um, 
so probably I've been kicking off with like a few songs off of Norman Rockwell and then fitting in uh, some new songs uh, that I'm yeah out Dope. playing because yeah so just working this new stuff and uh, yeah so new stuff and probably mostly stuff off of Norman Rockwell. Great. How much new stuff do you have? Um, uh, finished and, and out playing four. Uh, okay. And then in the works, you know, another five or so. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Always trying to bring new stuff. Try not to come through a town and play the same set. Right, know? right, right. Yeah. That's exciting, man. Good. I'm glad. I mean, I want to hear the new Norman Rockwell stuff too. I, you played it last time you were here, but still i love it so i love that <laughs> record it was one of my favorite of that of that year it's one of my favorites of the last five or six years too it's Thank just you. a great record i appreciate um that. and you know bj was talking bj and i were talking about it actually the other day we we're talking about like just what a how much respect we have for you as a songwriter and he was his, his words he brought it up first and then we you know kind of rapped about it for a second so um, yeah that's really cool to hear um yeah so i'm excited to hear new stuff um is that all new stuff all solo stuff or is there two cow stuff I haven't haven't put it in any box yet. Okay, <laughs> it's all, all still right. just coming and just yeah. I try to not think about it, just let it come out and okay, see where it goes. Right, <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. stoked for the set, man, and thank you so much for sitting down with us thank again. Thank you so much for having me. I man. Really it's an appreciate absolute it. pleasure. Oh, thank you. Cheers, man. That was perfect. Thank you so much. December boys got it bad Sons of losers and dreamers can be such a drag Birthdays and graduations through a telephone Another son of a son of a rolling stone now there's gonna come a time when your little world's coming apart Cause there's a million little girls just dying to break your heart Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son But damn, you should have seen us back when we were young Toughest set of kids that the Mohawk had ever seen Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son See your daddy and me, we were born to run Ain't nothing gonna change, but ain't nothing gonna stay the same Questions are many and the answers are few Each and every one coming down on you In the box in a closet Micah Schnabel, y'all, what an honor to have him on the show for a second time Micah is such an incredible soul and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk with him and to see him play live, he that set he played after we talked was just transcendental. I mean, I know that sounds cliche, but 
Everybody in the room was fired up about it. It was a late, uh, a late set. Everybody was tired, and he had followed a couple of bands, which is a, it was like a weird booking, where these like kind of pretty loud bands, and then it's just him with a guitar, and of course, Michael being the professional that he is, and, and those songs being as incredible as they are, it didn't matter. He didn't need a band behind him to to capture our attention on a weeknight, late at night. Regardless of how tired we were, everybody was screaming lyrics back at him, and the energy was incredible. You could tell he was feeling it. You know, you could tell that he was really into the moment. And after the set, I spoke to him about it, and and he really was riding quite the high um, from from the from the crowd and the performance. It was so much fun. If you ever get a chance to see Micah and uh, and Vanessa Jean Speckman, they tour together. You can catch them both, uh, Vanessa who uh, was on episode 17 of The Marinade. Go check him out. I'm so grateful for, for Micah and for the opportunity to talk with him. I'm so grateful for all of you. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your support. Um, on Twitter, we are at Marinade Podcast, and I'm so thankful for the interactions we have there. Um, Marinade underscore podcast on Instagram. You can see some uh, pictures from the Sing Out Loud Festival that I posted recently that I took of Chuck Reagan and Austin Lucas and Sadler Vaden, all three of whom we got a chance to record with. So cool. All three amazing conversations. And so those will be the next three episodes of The Marinade with Jason Earl coming out very soon. In fact, as soon as I finish this, I'm going to go to work on the uh, Sadler Vaden episode. What I've been getting down on, y'all, Idris Muhammad. I uh, saw like a I guess I saw a tweet or something where Hannibal Burris was talking about music that he was into and the the conversation was actually about how he wishes that um music reviews would talk a little bit more about the like the the mood that you were in when you were listening to the music which i I think is something that we do pretty well on the marinade I, i typically try to at least discuss kind of like what i'm going through when i'm consuming art and um he was talking about some record that led to him getting into idris muhammad i highly recommend you check out everything by idris muhammad I've been reading The Artist's Way. Hannah Harbour mentioned it on episode 18. Um, uh, Brian Koppelman mentions it a lot on his podcast. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of The Moment with Brian Koppelman. Um, That book is doing wonders for my mental health in general. I mean, creatively, I haven't necessarily seen the benefits of it. But just in terms of a meditative practice of getting up and writing my morning pages and going through some of the processes that she describes in the book, um, I feel better than I have in a long time. So I recommend it for anybody. Um, It's not necessarily just for someone who considers themselves quote unquote creative. And that's one of the things she says at the outset is that all of us are creative. And that's definitely the spirit behind the marinade. That's the reason why we do this show. So that book has been uh, really doing some, some wonders for me. And I got a couple that are on their way. Sadler and I actually talked about um, music biographies, and we specifically talked about Bruce Springsteen's biography. So that's uh, coming from the library pretty soon, and I'm stoked to to read that and then uh, let y'all know how it is. Um, three episodes coming in the can. I can't believe it. Such an incredible year. Thank you all so much. It's all kind of come full circle with this one, and I'm so grateful to Micah. I'm so grateful to all of you for listening. Until next time, cheers, y'all. Hold up, y'all. I hope you don't mind, but um, pretty amazing moment just happened. I was emailing Micah just to make sure it was cool to use some of his music 
in the show, and uh, I asked him about some of the new songs, and he actually offered a new tune that you wouldn't hear anywhere else that he played that night, the night that we got to catch up at that really transcendental, like I said, show, that incredible experience. And so he shared a kitchen table demo, just him and his guitar, a demo that he recorded with me and and agreed to let me use it on the show. So I had everything recorded. It was all done. And I just can't, uh, I can't believe this opportunity. So I've, I've got to throw it in there. Um, it's great. It's typical Micah Schnabel uh, brilliance and uh, really powerful tune. So um, thank you so much, Micah. This is unbelievable. And thank you all so much for listening. I'm just going to let the whole song play. Uh, it looks like the working title is 21st Century. Cheers, y'all. Well, I've been using isolation as a form of medication. I'm starting to worry about the psychological effects. Every morning a new tragedy will on the screen in front of me. I'm growing more and more afraid of what comes next. Violence, dead kids, and guilty silence. A Russian elected president, this is an act of non compliance. I'm looking for guidance everywhere. Let's bow our heads and say a prayer to the Palmentero Card Readers International Alliance. More information in my pocket than any humans in history. I haven't done a great job handling the responsibility. I'm just trying to describe what it's like to be alive through the teenagers in the 21st century. Yeah, I'm just trying to describe what it's like to be alive. Trying to not let the information age get the best of me. For Peyton, she was 17. She was just a little kid. She shaved off all her hair and threw her body off a bridge. Now all those missing persons flyers, they're all fading in the rain. On the telephone poles in the back of my brain. And I wish I could have talked to her and tried to explain. This world doesn't have to be all heartache and pain. It's the most tender hearts that are made to feel ashamed For not wanting to exist in a world gone insane Please consider this the space that's traditionally been saved There's some grandparents' knowledge passed down along the way But none of mine lived long enough to ever give me any advice So insert some folksy wisdom here, and I hope that it applies I'm just trying to describe what it's like to be alive During teenage years in the 21st century Yeah, I'm just trying to describe what it's like to be alive for listening i've had a hard time existing and it feels good to finally say some of these things out loud they say that we're divided i think the truth is we've collided like atoms smashing into the ugliest versions of ourselves fear mongers and racists all showing their faces coming out of the dark spaces that they used to hide commander and thief psychotic religious belief little kids shouldn't go to school just to die me.